This is Minimalism Today. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and I have Alina on the line. Alina, what are you struggling with today? Hi, Josh. So um, I recently moved into a new townhouse with my husband, and uh, we are considering having a baby at some point in the near future, as well as adding another dog. We currently have a dog. And I, after uh, embracing Marie Kondo a few years ago, I really discovered minimalism and I've definitely minimized my own possessions and I've encouraged my husband, which has been semi-successful. But my concern now is that we have extra space. We also have a house to decorate. I don't really want to live in an empty house mm. uh, and pot potentially another person and potentially another dog. And so I would like to keep embracing minimalism despite of all these additional things that are coming in. You know, it's fascinating. We find it so much harder to live in an empty space, right? I find there's, a, there's almost this level of discomfort, this anxiety that we have in an empty room. Of course, some of the most peaceful places we go tend to be empty, uh, whether it's out in nature or if you go to a museum, they're not completely empty, but they're really well curated. A lot of these public spaces that are beautiful. And so I found that you know, for me, at least, it's not that I want to be in an empty room. I know that I am complete in an empty room. And so, of course, any of the, the things that I bring into that room, whether it's artwork or furniture or clothes, those things should augment the space. They should enhance the space in some way. Let me ask you a, a question, though. Why is minimizing important to you? You mentioned Marie Kondo, and I'm sure you got a lot of really great tips from her. But why is simplifying important to you? Uh, well, I find that if I don't have a lot of things to think about and take care of, I have more time for things that I actually do care about. And actually, one of them is interior design. So I'm trying to balance that as well. Okay. So so that is sort of one of the benefits for you. Let me ask you, are the benefits different for your husband? I think he appreciates what I do when I do it, but he's not as enthusiastic uh -huh. um, initially. You know, Ryan and, he and I... He has a big music studio and he wants to keep that, which is fine. Sure, sure. And by the way, you know, minimalism isn't about deprivation. It's not about saying, well, you need to get rid of this and, and live like me, obviously. And it seems to me that you've, you understand that and understanding is really important because I can certainly give you some prescriptions here today, the, the how to side of things. But it seems to me that we need to get really clear on the why to side of things. Your rules are helpful, but they're only helpful if we know the why. If I were to give you 27 ways to declutter your new townhouse, you might be able to implement those things. But without the why behind it, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. So while I totally get that there's an interior design side of, of things that is appealing to you, there's an aesthetic calmness that you want from your space. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you say you don't want to live in an empty space? What What are you afraid of about living in an empty space? Well, actually, the, the bedroom and my office are pretty empty at the moment, and that's fine <laughs> by me. But I do want at least the, the family area, the dining room, the living room to be more cozy and inviting so that mm. I enjoy being in that space. Yes, you want it to be welcoming, not yeah. just to other people, but welcoming to you when, to when you come home. Right. 
Right. I find that a home should bring tranquility, right? It should increase your well-being in some way. Unfortunately, the opposite often happens, right? It stresses us out. Oh, I have to tidy up. I have to clean up. Oh my God, guests are coming over. Got to make sure that I'm tidying up for those guests. But of course, I want to aspire to have a home that I never have to tidy up before guests come over. It's not to say that we should never clean or organize our things, but of course, the the easiest way to organize our stuff is to have less of it, right? And so you're in a, a bigger space right now. You're adjusting to that bigger space. You're also going to have some, well, a new person and, and potentially a new pet as well. And I found, I don't know if you're finding this, but I've certainly found in my own life that minimalism is harder with a kid. You know, I've got a seven-year-old daughter. It's harder with a wife as well. It's harder with a family. But I've also found that it's so much more important because I do have a family. When I first stumbled into minimalism, I was recently divorced. I was single and I was simplifying for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, uh, I think most change is internal and those material possessions are simply a manifestation of what's going on inside us. So as I was decluttering the stuff around me, I started to look inward and decluttering some of the mental and uh, identity clutter that I had going on inside me. And as I as I let go, I opened up experiences for the people around me. But now that I have a, a family, it sort of made room for having that family in a way. I find that simplifying my life is really just a shortcut for me to be more present with the people that I care about the most. So it seems to me that you, you're headed down a path right now and you're asking many of the right questions. If I were to prescribe anything to you, it wouldn't be a prescription at all. I would ask you to get really clear on the why. Why do I want to simplify? What are the benefits of simplifying for me? How are those benefits different for your husband? Because it's great if you identify the benefits for you. And it sounds like you said you've been encouraging him to get him on board. And that's wonderful. But you also need to understand the benefits for him and realizing that, yeah, it probably is going to be considerably different for him. You know, it could be financial. It could have to do with uh, hobbies or, or time or you know, just fewer things to, to clean up. For you, it's about a aesthetic calm and a tranquility. And I would find those benefits. And of course, there's going to be some overlap between the two of you. But you're going to find that that will change over time as well. The things that you're letting go of today or the things that you're bringing into your life today, nothing wrong with that. But the things that add value to your life today may not add value to your life tomorrow. And so letting go is a continual process. It's not fixed. And I find that's one of the biggest problems is, I don't know about you, but with me, I want to fix the problem. But I think quite often that fix is the problem, wanting to fix things because life isn't fixed, right? It's not in a fixed state. We're constantly changing. In fact, the only constant is change. If we're not changing, then we're not growing. And, and so you're getting ready to embrace several new changes in your life. I would encourage you to avoid any fixing anything in your life and instead understanding what is changing. Alina, is there anything else I can help you out with today? Well, in terms of you know bringing a child in, I remember as a child myself, I was 
I always wanted this new toy and that new toy. And my dad likes to tell a story where I dragged him across town for this new doll that I really wanted. Mm. And then the next day he found the doll under the bed because I didn't want it anymore. So how do you, um, how do you talk to your daughter about this and how do you make sure she doesn't, you know, obsess over toys and care about things like, well, like I did, even though it didn't really matter to me, obviously. Sure. You know, I find that as adults, we still behave a lot like children. I know I certainly did for most of my adult life. There's nothing wrong with having desires. I think the problem is clinging to those desires, right? Instead of just understanding the desires for what they are. And and so whether it's me or it is my daughter, what I'm trying to convey is 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 a is a deeper understanding of the things in our life. Quite often we desire something we don't even realize why we desire it. Did I want this or did someone else tell me to want this? And of course, it's even more pernicious now with the four to 10,000 advertisements that we see on average a day. Many people are telling us to to want certain things. And so I try not to get too down on Ella, my daughter, when she wants something, even when it seems utterly absurd to me, because I know there are many things that I've wanted. And I look back now with a, a sort of disdain for how could I ever possibly want that thing? But in the moment, it was absolutely real. But we're living in a, a world where these, these emotions are not in the real world, they are in us. These desires, these preferences, they, they live inside us. And so when I'm talking to my daughter about the things that she's holding on to, the things that she wants, I'll quite often ask her, why do you want that? Do you think it's going to make you happy? And quite often the answer to that is yes. She thinks it's going to, to make her happy. And then I have to explain to her that, well, have you been happy without the thing before? And the answer is, well, yeah, of course, I was happy just five minutes ago. Oh, okay. Well, the message of minimalism then is not about deprivation, but it's about if you didn't need something five minutes ago, you probably don't need it now. If you do choose to bring it into your life because it does in some way augment or enhance your experience of life, that's fine. I don't want you to go without just for the sake of going without. But I also want you to understand that these external these external triggers of happiness, you know, happiness is uncaused, right? It cannot be acquired. Happiness is our natural state. You cannot make me happy. I cannot make you happy. You were not my happiness. And so once we realize that the, the things, they hold less weight, they can become tools. They can serve a purpose in our life. They can add beauty to our homes, but they can't control my happiness. That's a very good conversation to have. Yes. And do you find that Ella understands this? I think she understands it the more that we discuss it. And so I think that's part of waking up in, in a way, right? As we grow up, we begin to wake up. And, and one thing that kids do really, really well that we adults don't do well is they live in the moment. Last night, I asked Ella what she had for lunch. She couldn't remember 
for the life of her what she had for lunch. <laughs> I knew what she had for lunch, but I was simply at, it's because she lives in the moment. But that's where the happiness is, right? The future is an illusion. The past has already happened. It does not actually exist. And so does she understand completely? No, but she she she's forming an understanding of what it means to to wake up, to be more aware. And, and she understands that happiness is something that's going on inside her. And the more that I hammer that, that point home, I think the more that she understands it. That's good to hear. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you. Thank you.